Welcome to the Playing Injured Podcast, where we have conversations to help people turn their adversity into their advantage. Welcome to episode 81, where we sit down with Karen today. Karen has an almost supernatural ability to understand and hack the mechanics behind people's subconscious patterns and create new and better strategies in life. She is a multi award winning coach active in over 25 countries and one of Europe's sharpest in her field. She has helped thousands of people to maximize their potential and is often seen as the coach's coach. Her book, Mind Hacking for Rebels, A Practical Guide to Power and Freedom, was released last year in October 2021 and is available now on Amazon. Karen is all the way in Sweden, and we talk about how we can rewire and hack our subconscious mind and help our mind work for us and not against us. I hope you enjoy the show. Karen Tudane. How are you doing today, Karen? <laughs> Thank you. I am wonderful. And I really loved you trying to pronounce my last name. It was perfect. Okay, perfect. So me and Karen, we, we chatted uh, uh, right before we hit record. Um, I asked her, how do you pronounce her last name? And she gave me two different ways, the American way and the Swedish way. Uh, and I wanted to pronounce it in the Swedish way. So I got it right. Thanks, Karen, for the, for the sweet points. And um, I always love starting a podcast, Karen, with this. Who is Karen and how does she spend her time today? Oh, wow. Um, I am a highly sensitive person, which means that I have a really hard time giving just one answer. Uh, So, so, well, it depends a little bit on the day and who I'm talking to. And the mood. So, but practically, um, I am living in Sweden and I work with mind hacking. So I try to help people to understand and release old patterns and programs that are stored in the subconscious mind. So that's mostly what I do. It's my passion. So I do it quite often and it's my priority in life. I love it. I love it. So let's get right to it. Talk to us about the the subconscious mind. Um, I think we've all have heard of it, but what exactly is it and how does it work for us or how does it work? Yeah. And sometimes against us. Right. That's I just, that's I switched it up. (laughs) Yeah. So it's important to know that there is a download period in your life. And it it seems to be mostly around zero and seven years old. Mm. So even the Greek philosopher uh, Aristotle said that, give me a child before seven and I will give you the man. Yeah. Wow. So this is kind of the download period when you really, as a child, learn the rules of the game. So it's like, practice for life. Mm. 
100%. So you'll learn what are the rules for the game for me to feel safe, to be loved, uh, to belong, to not get punished, all these things that are for survival. So, and all of these programs are stored in the subconscious mind as a kind of a library. Right. So when you go through life, if you every day had to think about every situation, how to meet the, uh, the situation, how to react, how to act, life would be very, very hard. It would take a long time. I tend to take the, um, the example of like putting on the kettle in the morning, making your coffee. If you need to think about how to do that every morning from start, from scratch, it would take forever. You will never get to work. 100%. So a lot of things are automatic in the subconscious mind to make our day flow more easier and better. So when we learn all these rules as a child, we store them in the subconscious library and then we use them over and over again to make life easy. So we know how to react or how to act very quickly when we meet someone or we get into a certain situation. We don't have to think about it. And that is really good for the brain because it saves energy. So it goes fast. So there is a really good thing about that. Like I said, making your coffee, putting on your trousers, driving to, to work, knowing how to do your work task. It's really good because it makes it efficient and it makes it really fast. The problem comes to that sometimes these patterns and these programs that are supposed to make it very efficient and fast, they're not really good for us. But we learn them early and then we use them over and over and over again because they're so easy for the subconscious to just say, oh, that situation, that person, let's use this strategy, even though it's not a good one. So it kind of saves energy and make the day flow. But a lot of us get really, we, we don't like these patterns always, because some of these patterns and programs were really beneficial when they were installed at one point. But today, it's not that good for us. So let, let's make an example. Um, I work with a woman, and she was starting her own business. And she wanted to go to a network meeting. And she wanted to approach potential clients. And she came to me and said, oh, I can't do it. Um, I'm freezing. Um, um, I stop in my tracks. I don't dare to do it. I wait till next time and the next time and the next time, and I don't do anything. And if I continue like this, my I will be out of business in a year, so I need to change it. And we kind of backtracked it to the first time or the first times when she started to install that kind of program that is running her uh, meetings that Every time she go into a meeting, she stops in her tracks and she doesn't approach potential leads. Yeah. And for her, it was when she was younger, she was very adventurous as a little girl. And her mother had her hands full, you know, trying to stop her. And her mother was quite anxious. 
So one day, uh, the little girl, she was about, she said that she got a picture about her being around two years old. And she saw the sun shining through the window and she got so excited and she wanted to explore. So she kind of, you know, moved up from the chair to the kitchen table and she was standing there looking at the sun and her mother came in. And of course, if your mother and your little toddler is standing on the kitchen table, she gets really scared. Yeah. So she said, no, no, get down. No, this is dangerous. And I said, how do you feel when your mother is stopping you, blocking you? And she said, oh, I feel very disappointed, like I'm not allowed. Right. And then I asked her, okay, so if we move forward a couple of years from two years old, and you are like four or five or six, I want you to notice what is happening with your curiosity and your feeling of adventure. And she said, oh, I can notice that. I'm about six or seven years old. And now every time I want to do something, I'm looking up at my mother for approval. Yeah. Yeah. Can I do this, mommy? Is this safe? And it goes and back I to said, our childhood. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because a mother stopped her so many times for protection. For protection. Yeah. And I said, okay, so notice what is happening with this little girl. And I said, Well, it feels like I'm not allowed to approach something new or something exciting until I get some kind of approval from an authority. So I said, okay, so just move yourself to this situation. You are at the network meeting and you want to approach someone that maybe could be a customer of yours. I said, what do you feel then? And she said, wow, I feel the same thing that I can't, I need to, I can't move forward if I haven't got some kind of approval from someone, either uh, some authority, I don't know who, maybe the customers or the person. So I stop and I wait for the approval. So I had to teach her to kind of let her go of that old program, allowing her to say to herself that I'm a grown up, I can make my own decisions. And I don't need approval to approach people. And I am a good person. And I will notice if the person is, you know, very busy, maybe I take a step back. Or if I approach them, I notice this is the wrong time. I can just give them my business card. And I say, can I call you next week? I can kind of adapt to the situation and the person when I'm there. And she just followed my advice because she noticed that, okay, so the only thing stopping me is this old program that is kind of 30 years old. And it was, uh, I needed my mother's approval and I wanted her to, you know, be happy with me and proud of me. So I wanted her approval, but today I can choose myself. It's just shifting her perspective and change how she acts when she was networking. Yeah. What's crazy is um, reading a book uh, that Brian Tracy wrote. Um, He's a he's an author here, a pretty big author. Um, He talked about that, how kids really want the approval of their parents. Yeah. Right. And so their parents know that and they kind of control and manipulate, not in a malicious way, but to protect them or kind of. Um, do what they want them to do. Make sure that they're on a straight and arrow. Um, and a lot of times what that does is 
it creates some type of limitation on them that actually goes deep into adulthood. Um, It does. And so as a parent, you want to protect your child. Like you say, hey, you get on the chair um, and I'm scared. So I I pull her off. And so now when you take these risks in life, it could be a figurative chair that you stand on. Right. And it's a risk. And um, now you're afraid to get on that chair because um, you don't want to disappoint or uh, you're just scared now because you you got on that chair and you were taking off. Uh, Another example of this, you you hear about elephants who are in circuses and as a baby elephant, they keep them chained to the floor. Right. Exactly. Uh, And as they become adults, they don't have to use the chains anymore because um, the chains as a as a baby actually created this limitation where now um, they're scared or they feel like they can't even move because they were chained down for so long. And so. We all have these kind of figurative change where we're still chained um, and we need to break free. Right. And that's what you talk about, power and freedom. And I read something about your childhood where you say, hey, I felt powerless and I felt um, kind of worthless in a way as as a child, as a young child. Um, Now I I see that, you know, you've gotten into this space of kind of finding your root causes. Right. Um, Talk to us a little bit about your childhood and how you were able to kind of mind hack yourself um, to to who you are today and, and help others. Yeah. So uh, I come from a very dysfunctional family. So first of all, my father was a narcissist. So he was a little bit like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. He could shift very easily. uh, And he had a a bad temper. And if I didn't follow the rules, it depended on his mood of the day. Um, if he punished me severely or not. So I had to learn to really, really, really read the room and read everything that was happening in energy wise. So I could protect myself and that you, you bring that with you in a good sense, in a bad sense, because um, in a good sense, that's, my job today, I read people read so room. I can help yeah. them. Yeah. And I can see where is the problem and what is this all about? And I can also find good solutions for it. But the downside of it is that uh, it takes a lot of energy from the nervous system to always be on edge reading everything. So I had a long periods of time where I was really exhausted And I become quite a tough person myself in my early years to kind of survive, to protect myself. And um, it took me a long time to really trust people. And also with my mother, she was, I, I, I figured out just a couple of days ago that I really don't know her at all. That I know that she was very closed off, but I had a picture of her. Uh, that was shattered just a couple of days ago that I really, I don't, I don't know her at all. Um, And I could see how that formed me as a woman, don't really know who I'm supposed to be and cannot trust women. And um, 
So I've been thinking about that. So, and when I left, because they were religious as well, and when I was about 12, I realized that this religion they are a part of is not for me. And I couldn't do anything because I was only 12. So I had to wait for six years until I was 18 to leave. And the same day I was 18, I took my suitcases and I left. And it was so, people often ask me, wasn't it really scary? And I said, no, not at that point, because I knew that I needed to do it to survive. So that was another of my survival you know, system kicking in that knowing that if I stay, I will not survive. My soul will not survive. Uh, it will be too high of a cost. And then I was just out in the world and it was like they have given me a manual that didn't work. <laughs> so now I was out in the world with no manual and trying to relearn everything that how does it work out here and what are my rules so what I started with, uh, and this took a long time, it was that I had to start to develop my internal GPS, knowing that who am I, what do I want, what is right for me. And I am the same as everybody else, that I really didn't have a connection to my own GPS. I didn't know who I was and what I like. And that is one of the most common questions I get from my clients is, I don't know who I am. Who, who do I found, find who I am, what I like, what direction to take? And I often say that I wish that I had a really easy answer on it, but it's more like, for me, I found that stillness, pause. It's extremely important to finding your GPS. Because the GPS is very subtle. So if you are always running around in, in high beta waves, you know, your brain has different uh, brain waves. It has high beta, it has medium beta, it has low beta, and then it has alpha and uh, theta and delta. So when you are in really high beta, your brain is like buzzing all the time. And that is not a good state for your brain to be in, to find the way, to find GPS, to find who I am. So lowering your, your brain waves to more slower brain waves, then that is when clarity pops in. So my advice there is to whatever slower your brain waves down, that is the most important thing to, to do to gain clarity. So for some people, it's uh, meditation, mindfulness, breathing. For some people, like uh, one of my best friends, she's a really good uh, driver. And she drives really fast, you know. Well, so when she, I know she told me when she was on the track driving fast cars, she whooped all the guy's ass. She was really good. <laughs> so she, she says that when she's driving that fast, that makes her brain slow down hmm. and she gets all these good ideas and answers. So there's no one thing uh, because a lot of people saying meditate and be nature and 
being with a pet or people you like. And that's all true. But you have to find your way where your brain slows down, you get focused and you get clarity. Here at Plain Injured, we value mental fitness and giving folks tools to persevere through anything in life. If you struggle with brain fog, fatigue, or staying focused, I want to present to you the latest biohacking tool called Magic Mind. It's an amazing productivity drink. Look, I've been drinking Magic Mind for the past few weeks, and I've noticed a difference in my level of focus, the momentum that I feel throughout the day, and it's helped me feel more successful and conquer my calendar. Magic Mind is the world's first productivity drink. It's different than an energy drink or coffee-based drink with minimal caffeine and all-natural ingredients, helping you fight off procrastination, brain fog, fatigue, and some ADD symptoms. After about three to seven days of continuous use, it's easier to get into a flow state and be more productive. Magic Mind has a special offer for our listeners. Head over to www magicmind.co forward slash injured and use our promo code injured for 20% off. Visit www.magicmind.co forward slash injured and use our promo code injured for 20% off. You get pre, uh, you're kind of in, in the present moment, right? Yeah. For some yeah. folks. And when you drive really fast, you're in the present moment. Oh, you're as in the well. present moment. Yeah. You're you're yeah. not really thinking about it's kind of uh, when I hear you say that slowing your brain waves down, you're kind of yeah. um remaining present. You're not thinking about yeah. what I have to do uh today or the next no. hour. You're remaining no. in a moment. For me, yeah. slowing my brain waves down is kind of having a conversation where I have to be present with you here. Um yeah. it, it could be, you know, somebody working out, going for a walk. Um, you know, like you said, meditation, some people is just going outside and being in nature. Right. So, um, that's, I think that's a very big key. Um, what are some other, you would say mind hacks for folks who have to overcome these, I guess, fears, um, or, or doubts, or like you said, that GPS becoming more authentic, um, and who you are. Well, one mind hack that is really good is to what Nike says, just do it, right? Mm. Because uh, we have to understand that success is not a comfortable procedure. It's not. Yeah. So you have to put some pressure on yourself. And in order to create what you want, you need to be willing to also experience the opposite. So like if you're learning new things, you need to be willing to feel a little bit dumb maybe or uninformed for a bit while making you smarter. Yeah. And like if you're trying to set boundaries You have to be willing to feel a bit alone while you create new and more healthy relationships. And you know all about exercise, that if you want to feel strong, you also need to be willing sometimes with the body to feel pain and aches and weakness (laughs) before you get stronger, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. Yes. So um, 
So we have to be willing to feel the opposite. And a lot of people don't like that because it's, I want to feel better right away. And I know I feel a little bit more stupid or dumber because I'm, I, I don't know. I'm learning a lot of new stuff. I don't know anything. You have to be willing to feel that in order to gain the knowledge. 100%. And with Nikes, just do it because if you hesitate, you lose. Because um, scientists are, are saying that you have about five seconds of a window to do it or you won't to do, do it. it or you won't do it because the brain will come up with all sorts of excuses and explanation why you can't do it. And that can be that it's boring or it's the weather conditions. It's not yeah, it right could be any, at it the could moment. It could be literally anything. Right? It could be literally anything. And you believe it yourself because you say, yeah, it makes sense. So I will not do it. So um, you have like these five second window where you have the possibility to do something. And that's why Nike says, just do it. It's like not overthink it, not, not listen too much sometimes on your emotions because they can say, no, it's, it's nicer to be in the sofa. It's comfortable here. So you really have to just accept that it's not success. It's not a comfortable procedure. Yeah. It and will take uh, a lot of work. Yeah, I, I think that's key. I, I, and what I've I've heard about confidence, confidence is not um, like feeling just great about yourself. Uh, confidence is just being willing to, like you said, just do it do and it, being yeah. OK with the results, no matter what happens, you fail yeah. or you succeed. Um, that's confidence, being able to just be OK with the results, no matter what. And Absolutely. Um, I, I love that five second window because I think that's very key. Um, yeah. And, and I think that's a tool you can use. Just count, count, count five down five, four, three, two, and just do it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, um, I, I've had these situations, you know, where you do hesitate and when you hesitate, you come up with a bunch of excuses. I'll do it tomorrow. Oh, I don't yeah. feel good right now. Oh, I'm tired. Or, uh, you know, Oh, um, you know, I don't want to bother this person right now. I, I will be bothering them if I if I call this person, this prospect, or whatever case you you know business that you're in. Um, and that is uh, something that I think is very key to do. Is that five second rule? I always remember that. So, yeah. what about folks who? Um, what I've heard with with some folks, they they do the action. They they actually do. They they just do it. Um, but that initial pain can also, um, I guess, traumatize them in a way, right? Yeah. Where they don't want to go out and do it again. Is it just knowing that, okay, this is just the beginning. This is how it's supposed to go. It's, success is an uncomfortable procedure. Or is it some different things that they can do if they do um, kind of get into that initial phases of feeling some pain when they do um, just do it? How do we help folks not get discouraged by that uh, initial pain that they that they might feel? Yeah. Uh, first of all, I want to say that it's different if it's traumatizing in some way. Yeah. <laughs> then yeah, you you probably shouldn't do it, and and maybe you should seek an expert to to help you uh, proceed with what you're afraid of, because you have to make a difference between 
real fear and something that could harm you and just the uncomfortable feeling of doing something that is hard. So, um, well, one thing is that you could ask for support. So if you're afraid of, for instance, approaching someone, you could always have a friend with you to tag along and to help you if you feel like you're going to freeze mode and you don't know what to say. And it's actually very, very important with the support because in in, in society today, we are very focusing on individuals, you know, doing it yourself, um, having the power within, um, and all this kind of that you are responsible for your actions and how you feel and how you progress in life. And that's true. But often you need support when you are taking your first baby steps, like a little child, like a little toddler. You, they, they, they hold on to to chairs or tables or the parents when you take the first steps. So I try to, to ask my client if they could have some support doing it. And if they work with me, uh, often they use me as the support in some way, but often spouses or friends or someone else, family could just help them to get over that little hump. And then afterwards they've done it and they feel, oh, I have a lot of emotions going on in me and I feel scared to just not push it down. Just talk about it to someone they really, uh, someone that is really close to them uh, and just talk about it, oh, you know, just releasing. And yeah. I'm thinking about, um, you know, some animals like, uh, for instance, horses. Uh, I ride sometimes. And when you notice that a horse, uh, if they meet some kind of obstacle uh, and they get scared, it could be just a leaf blowing in the wind and they get scared. Afterwards, they often go like they shake a little bit and they make these noises. They're kind of shaking off the feeling. But what do we people do when we get scared? We hold it in. We hold it in. Yeah. Yeah. So. So often when you have this scary feeling within you, when you're supposed to do something or after you've done something, you just hold it in and it becomes worse and worse because our body becomes some kind of container where wow. all these negative feelings are running around like wild animals. So the next time we're going to do something scary, uh, we feel the fear and also all the old fear that is still running around in the container within us. So one important key is to just let it out. So it kind of cleanses the system. And a lot of animals do that. They, they shake and they, whew, they do stuff and it's over. So therefore I tell my clients that after you've done it or before or during whatever feels right, talk to someone and maybe just, you know, shake a little bit or take a walk to just let it out so it can go, it can process. Because um, I like the quote that emotions are energy in motion. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so if we don't allow them to move and move out of the body, they become stuck. And I know that these stuck feelings, they compound. So 
after a couple of times or two years or five years, we have so much emotions compounded in there. And that, that's when we become really scared of doing something because we not only feel the fear today of doing the thing, we are also feeling the fear that goes back maybe many, many years ago. So releasing it in some way and how we release it is also very different. So some people like to box. They yeah. want to do that. Some people like to meditate or dancing in the rain or, <laughs> or um, scream or talk to someone or just take a brisk walk. So it depends on when do you feel, what do you feel calms you down? or release that stuck energy and yeah. do that. 100%. I love that advice. And I love getting help. Yeah. Getting some support. I yeah. think a lot of, it goes back to, Hey, we don't want to bother somebody. Oh, I don't want to bother them with my, yeah. but if you have somebody that you trust um, yeah. and you're telling them that this is a journey that you want to embark on yeah. and when you do that action, that very scary action, and you get yeah. the ability to to call them and tell them your experience, and maybe they give you advice, or they just a sounding board. It can do wonders for you to yeah. release that that energy, emotion, those emotions, and go back out and do it yeah. again, and continue to to tell your experience. And sometimes, I mean, I can totally rely to that. That I have been a person who copes with my feeling on my own. And I want the listeners to really understand that that's also a, is a program that started very young. So if you are a child and you are not able to talk to your parents about your problems or when you have feelings, they are not there to comfort you. The lesson you're learning as a small child is that nobody's there when you need them emotionally. So you kind of turn it inside and you go into your little cave and you say that whenever you have a problem, you say, I will deal with this myself. I will deal with the emotions, the thoughts, and I will deal with the problem and the actions I need to do. And I did that for a long, 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 long time. I didn't know anything else. So it was just when it, it hit me that, okay, I'll learn this really early, how to do it by myself. And now I have to retrain myself to ask. So in the beginning, it was not just about I don't want to bother someone else. I don't to be want. I don't want to be in the way. It was most like for me, it was more like I didn't know how to do it. Right. Yeah. It was not natural for me. It yeah. was natural for me to go into my cave and fix my own problems. So I had to teach myself to start to open up and say, hey, could you help me? And I'm still working on it. I am so much better on it, but I still have to push myself a little bit because my natural program is to go into my cave. And But I have to think about it and I do it. And like you said, that people are there for you when you're an adult. If you have really good family or friends, there are always one or two people, not all the time, but for many of us, there are people, uh, but maybe we don't know that they want to help us because we never asked. Right. We never asked. We never, we never asked. asked. And yeah. we, and like you said, we didn't necessarily know how to, it goes back to a root yep. cause. Yep. And so I think that's so huge. I guess, and have you told folks in, in terms of coaching folks, do you tell them 
if they are scared or different things, different emotions that they feel to kind of just think back to the past and try to find the root cause to put things in perspective so that they can do these actions that they, that they want to do. Um, is that kind of the main source of the, or the beginning to kind of healing or, um, kind of going, breaking these barriers that they have? Quite often it is because often a lot of people, they're very harsh on themselves to say that, oh, I'm afraid of public speaking or I'm afraid of saying what I like. Or my, and, and they don't know why, because logically they know that they can do it, but there's something stopping them. So moving back in time and finding where it starts, it makes them feel more empowered because suddenly they know that there's nothing wrong with them. And that's my message. There is nothing wrong with you. It's just the programming that is wrong. And that is a good thing because that we can change. So when they go back and find that, oh, I didn't dare to speak up and, and tell my truth because in school this could happen or my father could get annoyed and I was scared. So it put things in perspective. But we also have to know that even though we can find a root cause and we can kind of lower the fear, it's not that we can take it away. So it will still be a little bit of uncomfortable when we do new things, when we're taking risks. But if you could lower the fear uh, from 100% to maybe 30 or 25 or something, the chances are much bigger that you dare to do something. But I really, really, really have to tell my clients that when we work, it's not going to be like all fear is gone (laughs) like that, but it can help you. And sometimes it's good to feel a little bit of fear because it's protection. And I also tell them that if you could change the world, the word from fearful Could it be a little bit of excitement or that you are just, you know, you're on the go, you are present, you're there, like, you know, when you're running a race or something, you could feel your heart pound, but it's not that you're fearful, but you are, you know, on the go, you're really excited and you are, uh, yeah. Because they both, they both have the same effects. Yes, they do. You might have a little bit of sweat, yeah. uh, you know, you might have, uh, you might be shaking a little bit, right? Yeah. They, they both have the same effects. It's just a, yeah. an, a positive um, yeah. outlook or a negative outlook, right? Yeah. So you have to learn to cope with the feeling of fear. Mm. So when people say to me that, well, successful people, they never seem to be fearful. And I said, oh yeah, they do, Yeah, 100%. <laughs> but they have learned to control the fear and not cave into it and just, you know, don't do it. So they've been really good at feeling the fear and push through it. But of course, if you have a lot of fear, it's really good to, to go to a coach or a therapist or someone who can help you to reduce the level of fear so you can take the first step. Because if the level of fear is too high, it's really hard to start. Mm -hmm. So what we can do is we can help them to lower it. So it's more, um, it's it's easier to manage. It's more manageable for you to take the step. 100%. Yeah. So coping, coping with that fear or coping with doubt or whatever the case may be, 
mainly the thing is trying to just tell yourself, hey, this is not negative. What I'm feeling, yeah. feeling this emotion that I'm feeling is not negative. Yeah. This is this this is actually a positive feeling yeah. that I'm feeling right now. Um, and for so- a lot of people, yeah, and for a lot of people, um, we are so afraid of feeling our emotions mm. to get close to them, at least the negative ones. So when I tell them, when I work with them to stay with the fear, sit with the fear or the, the sad feeling, they get really scared because they get so overwhelmed and they think that the emotion will never go away <laughs> and it will drown them like a tsunami and that they can't cope with it. So it's also important to teach people how to cope with emotions when they are present, that the emotions will not kill them. And for most people, and I'm not talking about people who are coming from really severe trauma, where they need a lot of help. I'm just talking about a more but normal emotions um, to really learn to, to sit with them and to cope with them and noticing that, okay, I am not dying here. Uh, I'm actually, uh, and that gives you also a power that you can, you have power over your emotions, not all the time, but a little bit more uh, power instead of your emotions kind of driving you, you, controlling you. Yeah. Wow. That is interesting because I've heard of that in terms of, Hey, um, I'm tired or I don't feel like it. And you need to continue to stay disciplined. Um, yeah. And not letting your emotions control you, but on the other end of not letting kind of fear or doubt or these other negative emotions control you um, yeah. and, and how you act. No, I love that. I love that. I think and, and I really like that when <laughs> uh, some people that I work with um, state that they are control freaks, that they really like to have control. Right. And quite often, not not always, but quite often when I work with people who like to have control is because they don't have control over themselves. Wow. So they need to put that control somewhere else, like outward, you know, on other people or situations or something else outside themselves. So often I tell them that, okay, what if I tell you that you don't have any control and they said, yeah, I have it and I like it. And I said, well, you might have control over situations or people or stuff, but often it's lacking control over your own emotions and your, your state of mind and yourself, your actions. And quite often they, after the session, they said, yeah, it was true. I have no control over myself. And it's so scary because I can't control my emotions, my mood, my thoughts or anything. I feel totally helpless. So I need to have some kind of control. And it's so much easier to control my partner or my job or something else, my stuff, instead of controlling myself. So I, I, I try to help them to switch that the control from the outside to more of the inside, because that is also very empowering. Because it's like, if you trust yourself and you have control of yourself, no matter what happens on the outside, you feel like you'll be okay. 
Yeah. You don't need to control everything. But if you got to control every single thing, every single aspect outside yeah. of you, then it means that, I mean, more times than not that you really don't trust yourself or you don't have control. Of yeah. And I, and I think that control is really a trust issue. Yeah. Some, uh, that, that you don't trust that some will do something in the right way or... Uh, and like you said, so if you don't have control over yourself, you don't trust yourself to right. be able to cope with situations or meeting some kind of people. So uh, they kind of go together, trust and control. Yeah. Wow. I, I never thought about it from, from that aspect, aspect, actually. Yeah. I hear folks talk about being a control freak. So I guess winding down, right? What? kind of does do do people need to understand about their minds right because i've heard i heard that it can be a a beautiful um it can be an advantage for you or it could be uh, a negative for you it can be a, a beautiful servant or yeah. a dangerous master that's what i heard um yeah what do, what can people understand about their mind um today that can just help them get a, a little bit more awareness yeah that's a tough question. Mm. I know I just put you It is. <laughs> but I would actually repeat again that there is nothing wrong with you. Mm. That um the mind is the mind's program is not a good one sometimes. Um so when people say that oh it's my fault, I'm stupid, I don't know better, I should have been done this or that, or why do I do this all the time? Um, instead of blaming themselves, try to ask when did it start? What happened in their life that made that mindset? And then owning it instead of saying, This is who I am, uh, I I don't want to change, or it's someone else's fault. Just own it and say, okay, I have a problem here, but it's it's not me. I mean, it's not my fault as a person or a soul, uh, but it's more like a program. And I, if I go back and I see where did it come from, what happened to me, that we can solve. So I would say that um, don't confuse your self-worth always with... Uh, what you are programmed to do because you can still be very valuable as a person or as a soul, but you can have a, on um, behaviors that are not good for you or for others, but those you can change with work. 100%. So it's really yeah. that pro your current programming and being able to go back, reprogram yourself yeah. Um, yeah. and know that there's nothing wrong with you. Give yourself some grace. Yeah. I love it. I love it. So Karen, where can people find you, continue to follow um, kind of your message and, and your mission? Yeah. So, well, if they want to uh, book a session or so, or find more information, they can find me on my website, karentitan.com. And um, they can also find me on Instagram, Karen Titan. And uh, they can also buy my book if they want to. So I released uh, a book called Mind Hacking for Rebels um, in October last year because some people um, 
well, they they want to start with a book. <laughs> it's yeah. easier to 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 find a little bit more understanding about how they work, the mind works and the subconscious mind, and also easy mind hacks to start very slowly the first steps, um, and then they can go to a therapist or a coach if they need more professional help. So, and you can find that book um, on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and you know, as an ebook or a paperback. Um, yeah. Perfect. Yeah. I put all those links um, in the information in our footnotes, the link to the book, um, social media, uh, LinkedIn, website, everything. Um, I think you added so much value, practical things that people can do um, to to help them today. Right. And um, in a world where, you know, it's a lot of platitudes and different things like that, that, that don't really serve people. I think you added a ton of value um to us today and so i appreciate you taking the time out your saturday night most people on a saturday (laughs) night are not adding value um and and you decided to do that with us today so i I really appreciate you thank you no problem our brand design and strategy is by tessa at fivefootstudios.com You can also follow her on Instagram at Five Foot Studios. Our music is by Lakey Inspired. Go ahead, subscribe so that you never miss an episode and click the five stars to give us a rating. And most importantly, keep playing injured.